Why do you think that this one repeats as the champ again? What about this putter makes it so consistent? Hello everybody, welcome back. This is episode number 76 of No Putts Given. I'm Miranda here with Tony, Harry, and Chris. And guys, we've got a lot to talk about today, so welcome. I missed y'all last week. That's right, we didn't shoot. Mm -mm. How many people miss Tony? I miss Tony. No one. Harry? No. no Harry, no. <laughs> I speak to Tony at least once a day uh, mm. regarding most wanted stuff. So I get I get that British experience daily. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of most wanted, uh, last week we did release the winners of 2021's most wanted mallet test. Uh, so let's see. Harry or Tony, do you want to take us through the winners? Who's got it this week? Well, I'm going to pull in Philip, our hard goods expert. So let me go get Special him. guest. Special Bring guest. Bring in the testing manager. Bring him in. There he is. No, no. And there he is. <laughs> What's Nothing. up, beautiful people? Hey, Philip. How's it going, man? Is this this is not your first time on No Pets Ooh. Given? Uh, sh- first one was a slight introduction. You gave us a wave yeah. or something. Yeah. Chris starting to shoot my leg off with a Nerf gun. That's true. I, that was insensitive, and I don't apologize. <laughs> have you ever had your, your prosthetic leg break on the golf course? I have, actually. I have. And I asked because, yeah, it legitimately happened to one of the guys that I play with from time to time. One of my buddies, I remember uh, we were playing Royal New Kent, which is a local course, which is it's a pretty hilly course. And we are on, like, the 11th tee box, and I hit a drive, and my... And I looked down. I felt some weird during my swing, and I looked down, and my my joint had cracked and Oof. completely like snapped off. So I played the rest of the round, though, but it was not how uh, improvise. What what does improvise mean? Like duct tape improvise, or like <laughs> yes, yeah. I have strapped <laughs> duct tape around my leg before to keep it stable. Have you ever used like Flex Seal? Have you seen that Flex Seal? <laughs> Well, he's not no, trying to I keep it from leaking. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, it happened to one of the guys I played with a year or two ago, and uh, fortunately, he lives on the golf course, so he was able to hop in his cart, run home, and get a new foot. So, yeah. <laughs> I know all about it's, the hopping life. So, yeah. Oh, all right, putter gosh. test. <laughs> Harry brought you in because yeah. we are going to break down the winners of the 2021 mallet test. So, Philip, who do we got? Should we count from five to one or one to five? All right, uh, one to five. Let's go that. Okay. So we had a repeat winner. We threw in the uh, Odyssey Triple Track Two Ball, which won last year, and that ended up winning again this year. Comfortably again, right? Comfortably again, for sure. Um, you know, product of consistency. Finished very, very well. Really excelled at twenty feet. Number two, we had Odyssey 2-Ball 10S. Again, Odyssey keeps making putters, whether it's the looks, the feel. People tend to love them. Our testers liked them. And the performance and the data showed with it, uh, with that one finishing in second. Third place, we had Evenroll ER8V. So one of the V-series putters that just came out from them. Very classic look to it. It had a positive strokes gain from all three distances as well. Um, it was one of the leaders from five and 10 feet. Number four was Odyssey again with the white hot OG7. Again, three out of the five or Odysseys. And they reintroduced that white hot insert that they've had 20 years plus. Putting with that thing, it's definitely got a good roll off the face. People are familiar with that seven look design and everything. So it was very appealing to them. Best value was the Wilson Staff Infinite Buckingham. That's a long name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Are there any any hyphens in that name? Like, oh, I don't think so. The Buckingham is the that's kind of that spider shape, right? It does got a spider escape look to it. I would say hit or miss kind of with the appeal in terms of the looks from the tester base. But, um, you know, results are results. And it was a leader from five feet. So I had the best putt strokes gained from five feet within the test. So that's kind of a cool trend that I, I think from the last really several years, right? That that first Taylor made spider came out and you know mm-hmm. Taylor made talking about it like it was the next hot shit and putter design and like, these things have a way of of you know the the market 
and and not just the market, but competitors sort of decide whether or not a technology and a shape is validated. And mm-hmm. when you figure like there are, I mean, how many putter shapes legitimately repeat from line to line and sell? It's it's maybe a handful, right? That everybody yeah. has something that's like that. And so, you know, to to have one of your designs become that ubiquitous thing in everybody's lineup, man, that's you know that's success for sure. So, right? Yeah, I agree. Like especially in the mallet world, like easier to make that argument right with like you know answer style heads and and blade type mm-hmm. putters even you know kind of the nine wilson 8802 type of look some of these iconic things but you think like the mallet world is is relatively recent you know in in comparison so you know you have the winged mallet i guess if you want to call it that or the spider like people call it the spider right like that's i guess that's maybe the defining thing is when people start referring to it by the name, you know, the model name that you have it. Oh, it looks the, like that a, is the shape, right? There is the yeah. answer shape and the spider shape, and the yeah, exactly. And really, I mean, probably give Taylor made the win on that one. You might have to give Callaway or Slash Odyssey the win on the the Fang, the number seven. Oh yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Pretty much everybody has, you know, if I think in the mallet world, um, not the half mallets with kind of the the basic moon shape to it, but these designs that are were clearly very different when they started out, right? Different from anything else. You're like, oh, you know, that mallet, the fang thing is like, are you going to stab somebody with it? Or is it like for an aeration tool? Or what is this thing? And It's multipurpose. You can do a lot with that putt. And that's what I like about it. Occasionally make a putt. <laughs> Occasionally maybe make a putt. But yeah, I think that's a fair point that the the spider uh, and maybe the number seven slash fang slash whatever you want to call it, ubiquitous now. And the, uh, the other thing, too, it just seems like every year now, at least, I think certainly two in a row, maybe three years in a row, where Wilson has just kind of snuck in with a value putter. Absolutely. Or at least you know, over the course of multiple tests. I mean, what do you see there? Last year was, uh, I think, second place was the Infinite L. And, you know, again, value putter that in our data and in our testing performed well. So, I mean, doesn't always go to show that looks make a good putter. So... If it works, it works. <laughs> How much is the Wilson? Speaking of, uh, ninety nine ninety nine, I think. Oh, yeah. So I mean, hundred bucks for a putter. Yeah, like that's what Tommy Armor was the last two years. I think it was at that same price point. So if hundred bucks or less, and you're looking for saying, "Hey, I don't want to spend that three four hundred dollars, whatever." It's like that's absolutely that's yeah. pretty damn cheap for for that level of performance. So if anything, it's worth giving it a try. You know. You mentioned, right, we've got three Odyssey putters in the top five, right? Yep. Where did the Toulon, because we had a Toulon in the mix we as well. We had Toulon, which is... and it placed sixth, if <laughs> I remember correctly. So, uh, so yeah, it's pretty solid. Strong, strong showing across the board. I want to revisit um, the first place, the triple track. Philip. why do you think that this one repeats as the champ again? What about this putter makes it so consistent? <sighs> It performed extremely well. I mean, we did up <laughs> the... We, wait, wait, hold on a second. It won because it performed well? I just want to... Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that's well. kind of what the whole deal is, right? Performance <laughs> does matter. We were skeptical about it last year because of some of the looks, the lines on it. Is it a gimmick? Yeah, yeah, the lines. It's ugly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, a lot of people, you know, kind of a mixed bag still with... Your traditionalist in terms of the look and whatnot with the triple check, you know, distracting, whatever. But there's something to be said there when it performs extremely well, whether it's the triple check helping with alignment, the micro hinge technology in the insert face gets keeps the ball rolling, gets it rolling smoothly, more consistently. Um, there's a lot of different variables there, but, you know, it's a product of consistency and performance. I know you weren't there last year um, to be able to compare from year to year in terms of what mm-hmm. testers were saying about it. But like I said, I know most people were skeptical because of the lines Correct. last year. Yeah. Were, were you finding this year there was any skepticism or they were starting to figure out, all right, this thing has some credibility. Doesn't matter what it looks like. It works. I think there's some more credibility there just because people have had more exposure to it, especially, you know, with it being out for a year year and a half and triple track continues to perform well with odyssey across the board so i would say there's definitely less skepticism with it um you know if somebody's first time exposure to it they're definitely going to be skeptical about it they're like like is it is it because it's ugly is that yeah i would say so yeah 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 (laughs) different 
with mallet putters, like we said, you know, design gets a little crazy. So did you at all do any testing with like the triple track two ball with a triple track golf ball and do like sex tuple track? Uh, <laughs> I haven't done that yet. I don't know if my I don't know if my eyes could handle all those lines. You know, how does the math work on that? Is it like a factorial <laughs> or is it like exponential? Yeah. Like, how does that work? Three times three. Yeah, that's I don't know. I, Six liner. I yeah, we'd have to. We'd, I could reach out to Doc Hawk and and figure out the math on that. <laughs> what we're dealing with. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's something I'm interested with. So, all right. So go back a generation. So like last year, you said it tested exceptionally well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy that was at Callaway at Odyssey designing putters for a couple decades, right? A guy named Austin Rollinson. Rings and a bell. Rings a bell. May have may have heard a thing or two from him. So he was at. Cali slash Odyssey, right? We're talking several decades. He is no longer there, right? And so the OG series was, for all intents and purposes, pretty much ready to go. You know, last year would have come out, if not for COVID, probably that summer. Obviously, that got pushed to this year. A good bit, from what I understand, a good bit of this particular um you know, line that's out now. I mean, it was already down the production chain and in, in, in terms of decisions on final touches and things, you know, certainly some some changes toward the end. But for all intents and purposes, it was pretty much well done as well. And really starting now, whatever comes next is going to be kind of that post, you know, post Osti uh era. And so I'm going to be really interested to see how his absence changes is there a noticeable difference moving forward just because he had a hand in so many of the designs for so long it really is a a kind of a you know in the putter space it would be like you know it would be like titleist not having Voki there he really is the name behind that entire brand for the last several decades yeah and i mean we we've talked about this before it it gets lost in the shovel how much designs are influenced by the people who make them and it, it sounds obvious like that but you know these aren't it's not like this this Callaway is this collective mind necessarily there's no focus group per se right there is right you know there are individual peoples and in, in individual stylings and so you know we see that time and time again I think maybe you know the greatest example in recent memory that I always point to is TaylorMade's iron lineup when that transferred from Brian Basil to to Tomo and and Tomo draws a lot of his inspiration from Formula One and and those type of things and so you saw a pretty significant change in design there and then evolution when when Matt Bovee took over and it's I would expect you're going to see similar things at at Callaway where all right who is who is the next man up right and we may never learn that name necessarily but you know you know Luke Williams is going to hand have a hand in it he knows what Mm -hmm. he's doing Sean Toulon has, you know, nearly a century of experience in golf, I think, at this point. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Sean will have a hand as well. And, you know, you'll see, you'll see a lot carry over and probably some some different things as well. And so ultimately the question is, is it is it different good, different bad, or different but more no or less different. the same? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll find out. Yeah. All right. Well, Philip, thank you for being with us. I know it's a uh, a busy job over there, so congrats on another successful <laughs> yeah. most wanted test done and completed. Thank you. Surviving day by day, baby. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, another dozen you. or so left, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> nine or so left. We're uh, we're getting close to finishing uh, players distance iron, so that will woo, be woo. Uh, next on the there bucket list. So get it. Thanks for having me on, and I'll talk to you guys later. All right, send and the Brit back have- in. Do we have to get Harry back or we just keep going? No, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> I heard that shit, Tony. You definitely missed me, I know. I can tell. Oh, Harry's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so much better. Okay, Chris has returned because it's his turn to be in the what's in the bag seat. Chris, are you ready? I'm in the seat. Okay, I'm going to accept some assistance from my other podcasters here to quiz you on all of the items in your bag, but why don't we start with the big one? Drive, you all right, Harry? <laughs> Sorry, it's been, a long, it's been a long day already. <laughs> you can take the segment off if you want I, to. You might as well. All right, let's start with the, the, the number one. Chris, what driver are you playing? All right, so um, I got five. I do want to uh, state mm. that there's some 
things, you know, early season. We're going to be doing some testing. We'll see. I, things are in flux. Things are. It's a uh, tweak season. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, as I get <laughs> as I get ready to uh, defend my crown as the Wednesday night league nine hole champion. Okay. Well, if it changes, you can come back and update. We'll let Noted. you. We'll let you have that space because there's some stuff we had two and a half feet of snow outside. I haven't Ooh, been able yeah, to test it. Yeah, like you have like this big bag update. Bag update. What? Yes. Where did you ever hear that sound being played or anything? I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, that's old American news noises. Breaking news. That's welcome to America. Welcome to America. Welcome to America. America. Starting off in the driver's slot, we have the ping. G425 LST. Previously, I had the 410 LST. Uh, very, very similar performance with this one for me. 410 obviously was historically good. So this is what we're starting with. Okay. Paired with a Ventus Blue uh, 6X. Love that shaft. I have it. Uh, thing I really like about this head for me, uh, big things are being able to put it in those flat angle settings, trying to help mitigate... Some swing flaws, shall we say. Do you have that in a draw bias setting as well? In the back of the weight? Yeah, so right now, yeah, right now I put it in the draw bias setting of the weight on the back. In a flat with, setting as well. But a flat setting, so they kind of offset each other. Yeah, like, that's start, what it, that's... start it right, make it go left. Bingo. Bingo, <laughs> nice. that's exactly. Little push draw. Yeah, exactly. Push so that's PD it. Um, I, will be, uh, I will be testing likely i'm gonna actually go through the um true golf fit thing just because i want to see what it would recommend for me um i had good oh, success cool. with that last year just to kind of see and it, it was kind of fun it actually suggested a couple of things i wouldn't have necessarily gone out and said hey i'm gonna test those so uh we'll see what that comes up with but right now is it is it tipped or anything or you just play it nope, straight in? 6x straight in yep what's next what do you want go down the list Go down the list. There's right, an so, order to these things. Yeah, there are. So, uh, Fairway Woods, again. This is an NBC News <laughs> special report. What's going on? What's Jeez. happening? What's Sounds happening? Sounds like someone's going to die. <laughs> Usually that's what they're for. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Jeez. Early testing, again, but. Mm. What is that? No. PXG. Oh, I mean. I, I'm I'm on a level with everybody here. I have absolutely really loved PXG Fairway Woods. Certainly the Gen 2 stuff. Like Yes, I love the Gen 2 ones. I, it was really good, underappreciated yeah. for sure. Like I think a fair amount, not all of PXG stuff, but a fair amount was. Mm -hmm. But man, that that crown design for me, I'm like, you know, when they do, they you know, PXG's been doing darkness editions of a lot of stuff lately. Right. So I'm like, if you right. if you do a darkness edition of, I know. of this stuff, let's you know, I hit know. me up. But I look at that crown and I'm like, and it's that's yeah. You know, and, and we always say looks don't matter. I know, but, but it kind of looks like a shuttlecock on the top of it, doesn't it? Just <laughs> I'm so sorry. What <laughs> it does? What do you what do you call it? A shuttlecock or yeah, a no, shuttle right. birdie? What do you call no, it? No, sh a shuttlecock is the proper term. A Wait, you say it. Say it again. Say it again. Sh shuttlecock. Cock. That's great. <laughs> cock. <laughs> shuttlecock. I don't know how we got to shuttlecock from PXG three wood. We really, probably should emphasize the shuttle. <laughs> but <laughs> breaking news back to you chris <laughs> on site here uh at the 18th fairway what we've noticed jimmy is a lot of different th no you can go three degrees flat or two and a half degrees flat if you want to change the loft on it so getting that open face for me big deal mm -hmm. you know I, I i hear what you're saying about the crown and it is divisive no doubt i personally would love it if it were like a couple shades darker like you said if they did a darkness edition and it were there was still some contrast there but like if you have like this matte black top and you did like a charcoaly gray type of thing, that would be that like would be kind of cool i wouldn't i wouldn't mind that i like matte black matte black anything well and it's it's kind of an interesting argument right because to me i'm like there's there's just too much contrast there Again, and who cares if, if I take it out on the course and hit it well, I'm going to forget yeah. about that really quickly. I think I got one round in the, the tail end of last season with the, the Titleist TSI 3. And yep. for me, that's that's the opposite. I'm like, that is just like this this yeah. sea of shiny black. And I'm like, just give me something. Yeah. Just, you know, so yep. 
I'm, yep. I'm, I guess I'm more picky than I think I am about yep. some things. Anyway. Club I forgot upstairs. I didn't grab five wood um, that I love is Cobra. The the tour head, I love the rails on the bottom. I can hit it high, I can hit it low. It's super versatile. So you got that Rick kind of that Ricky tour model, that, that yeah, small. That's exactly it. The smaller fair so it's you know, it's basically like a bigger hybrid, but it's doesn't have any of that kind of hooky bias to it. It's you know, it it really is to me the definition of a utility club, kind of these smaller headed fairways we've seen, you know, DJ go with the seven wood. You're seeing um players, you know, I think Webb Simpson carries, you know, like a three hybrid and a four hybrid. And so finding that kind of, you know, opportune versatility in that 18 degree to 22, 23 degree space is an area that I need to explore a little bit more, but I absolutely um, that's one that I, I just don't know that I'll be taking that out of the bag anytime soon as the, the Cobra five wood. Let, let me hop back to that, that three wood real quick. So you mm-hmm. said you had that, you had that turned down flat. Yep. What are you doing? Are you, are the weights neutral? Or are you doing kind of that same push draw setting there that you do with the driver? Yeah, really good question. So right now I got the, so right, you got the two different weights in there. You got one heel weight and one, uh, kind of in that front center, they, Compared to the prototype, right, they had the one in the toe. They got rid of that from the prototype one. Yep. But that presented a couple design problems. So, like, anytime, as you know, I mean, and and Tony points this out all the time, anytime you have weights, you also have to create structures to hold the weights. And those structures cost you weight. They also create things you have to work around, like vibration, right? Sound problems. Yeah, which impacts sound. Acoustic challenges. Acoustic challenges. And so when you see a lot of weights, as PXG has had before, or you see weights (laughs) out on the like... 87 (laughs) spiral weights working. (laughs) Chris, does that three would have a weight at the back to boost LOI and launch? Is it just front and heel? Front and heel. Front and heel. heel. So, um, you know, it's a slightly larger head in terms of it's not that smaller tour head so it has a little bit lower deeper cg just anyway as compared to a smaller head i didn't find it you know a lack of forgiveness at all i'm more apt to use this off the tee Mm. uh and those kind of things and then if at my particular course i'm saying that five would if i'm in the go zone you know and i'm trying to get it up near the green on a par you know par five and two or you know there's a couple par fours that are exceptionally long where you're you know, you may be 222, 30, 240 in, um, having that five wood that you can hit straight up in the air and still get some distance with it is is beneficial. What's the loft on that? We probably should move on here pretty quickly because we're just two clubs or three in deep, but... Yep. <laughs> I was going to say we've made it through two. 15. So All right, 15 so... degrees right there, and I have it set at 15 degrees, but three degrees flat. So that's one of the differences. You know, I, I tend to be a 13 and a half guy in the three wood, but that's... Mm-hmm. You know, because hitting the ball high is never an issue. That's never been an <laughs> yeah, issue I've, for one. I've turned mine down to 30 and a half and it comes out like a bullet. Irons, um, split set, split set Mizuno MP20s. So you go right from five wood to irons. So, well, that's that space. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with the hybrids yet. I gotcha. I don't know. I got a four iron, the MMC four iron as well. So right now that's what it is. But that four iron may be substituted. It might be substituted, yeah. What was that shaft in the five wood? Was that also Ventus? Uh, shaft in the five wood was Ventus eight X. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Again, in in like, the okay. blue. Okay. okay. It passes. I'm a long time Mizuno iron user, um, and uh, you know, thing I loved about the MP20 series again, they included that layer of copper. Which is so interesting, right? In this in this era of you know we want to quantify everything and and we do our very best to do that. Even in testing, you know when they were doing blind testing with the tour players, they could tell they preferred the feel of the ones with the the additional layer of copper, but they couldn't necessarily tell you why. They couldn't quantify it in terms of something else. It really was that subjective feel. And so the first time they've had that copper layer dating back to the the TN series, the Tommy Nakajima series, uh, 87s, I think. But I do a split set. So I do the muscle backs in the, uh, in the short irons, where we know that loft tends to create forgiveness. So it's not like, oh my gosh, this eight iron, nine iron, you know, pitching wedge is so hard to hit because it's a muscle back. You know, really, once you start getting to 
the loft itself, the the length, yeah, the loft, things that, kind of loft takes over, and MOI kind of the hard number becomes less of a factor. Precisely, so kind of a precisely. So I kind of see those as an extension of like my wedges, you know, in, in those short ones, and then the rest of the set up through the seven iron, I use the MMCs, um, which is you know basically I think pretty similar, Harry, to your seven eighty fives, to kind of that that player's yeah, muscle. Or, yeah, seven eighty fives is definitely. Did I, did I catch some red on that shaft? You got the Nippons in there? Yeah, so these are the uh, Modus Prototype 115s. In that, yeah. Proto. Aren't you fancy? Well, la-ti-da. La-ti-da. You think he's in the golf equipment world. <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's the thing about the uh, Nippon ones. The, th- the reason that I really, really like Nippon on the steel side, two things. One, their 105-125 series tends to fit players that were maybe like formerly dynamic gold players so like if you are an x100 s300 type person a lot of those players we've seen on tour go into like the 105 or 125 series obviously the 105 is a lot lighter but the 125 is kind of commensurate with that x100 um, type feel except to me they feel softer in the hands I was gonna say how's the how's how's the kick point on that is it low medium high in the handle like where do you feel it? Performance-wise, very, very similar to Dynamic Gold. So okay. for me, kind of that mid-launch to mm-hmm. mid low-mid spin, I definitely don't spin them too much. The prototypes, why they're prototypes, it's that middle weight. So they're getting that 115. They end up being about 120 grams or so. And Nippon did a, did a limited release of a black edition of only however many sets last fall, and they sold out you know, super quick. And they were gone, but they are going to be coming to retail at some point in 2021. I understand with that 115, so that will be in the lineup as a as a modus uh, 115, probably more in that 120 gram range. The other thing is they tend to be a hair soft, maybe compared mm-hmm. to the rest of the industry. So, like a lot of times, you would go up a flex. So, like if you were again, say that X100 player, you might be the the TX in these. If you're kind of stiff to stiff plus, definitely want to go at least X or maybe X hard step, which is now, yeah, I was going to say a question yeah. on that. Now, a lot of players would say, all right, I would either hard step them or yep. potentially go heavier. Mm-hmm. But if you go heavier, then you're changing the kick point depending on your how you load and transition your swing. Yeah. So is there a rule of thumb out there that we can just educate the guys and just say... I would say this. If there's a rule of thumb, and, and I'm sure there's some that will disagree with this, I found, at least for myself and a lot of others, that I'm more sensitive to the weight of the club than I am the flex. Yeah, that's the same as me. I would be far more inclined to stick with that same weight. If that's very comfortable for me and my swing and my transition and my release and all of those things then I would dial it in by hard stepping or soft stepping as opposed to saying, hey, that was really good in 120. Let's see what that's like in 130 grams. Because that 10 grams, when you're swinging it, you know, let's say, you know, swinging seven iron at 90 miles an hour, that 10 grams is going to feel probably to me a lot, a lot more different than saying, okay, let's take, you know, and, and just quick thing, right? Hard stepping, soft stepping. If you hard step a, a, a club, you're taking the shorter discrete length iron shaft and putting it in the longer iron. So you're taking the nine iron shaft, which is generally a little stiffer than the eight iron shaft. You're taking the nine iron shaft, putting in the eight iron, eight iron shaft in the seven, seven iron shaft in the six, so on and so forth. I know Miranda was at, like, what the hell is hard stepping and soft stepping? I can just Yeah, pick. and soft stepping is just the opposite, right? Put the four iron shaft yeah. and the five iron head and 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 up you go. But what these are is the uh, the prototype. So it's like the 115 weight X flex um, hard stepped once. So mm-hmm. that's that. And uh, I'm not sure if you can see it there, but did some uh, kind of fun little ferals on there. Uh, kind of, you know, got to gotta have a little flavor. Fancy. Little flavor, little flavor in there. Um, wedges. I brought my favorite wedge. Uh, this is possibly my favorite uh, wedge of all time. Not sure if you can see uh, see if on there it says soft is slow. Um, that's just a reminder, <laughs> you know, just something I like to remind myself, right? When I'm <laughs> in case you ever forget. When I'm well, like when I'm working out, 
right? And I'm trying to, you know, try to get a little stronger. You know, soft, soft is slow. We want to be, we want to be fast. We want to be, we want to be quick. Hey, Chris, are you soft and slow? Well, today, <laughs> as compared to maybe a month ago, I'm not oh, quite as soft, not oh. quite as slow. Yeah, okay. but I'm getting, but I'm getting there. I'm getting You're getting there. there. Nice. I'm getting there. So this is a Voki SM8. Um, this is the 56 degree D. How you grinding? D this grind. The there D you go. Grind. I and like I said, I, I picked my favorite wedge because this is one I use. Uh, you know, inside 100 yards for as much as I possibly can. For me, this is a really versatile grind. What's the loft on your pitching wedge? 46. So you go 46, 50, 56, 60? Correct. Yep. So the 50, uh, you know, obviously prior to this year with Vokey, you had one grind. It was the F grind, and you either had a slightly higher bounce or slightly lower bounce. So I went with the lower bounce. So I got a 5008. Mm-hmm. Um, that, again, it's basically a weak lofted pitching wedge. Um, and then from there, I went, yeah, I went 56 and 60. D grind in both, or did you go? No. Nope. Mm-hmm. So D grind in the 56 so as we know d grinds like kind of the the player's higher bounce. that's the best grind it's nah, a, it's the it's best grind not the best finish <laughs> it's the best grind for me <laughs> let's be clear um, let's be clear i don't want i don't want hate mail uh, <laughs> um <laughs> these ones are are almost worn out these are these are uh from from last year night i was actually looking because it's kind of fun like Voki can uh you know they can you know they're custom pro and they do some stamps and they can actually engrave things on the shaft um if you need like little reminders for yourself and things and so i'm not sure if that'll focus but it says center your core i want to make sure that when i'm turning i want to keep that (laughs) core centered i don't want to sway too much right here you did some videos on that i think recently on turning you know not swaying (laughs) staying kind of centered on that so that helps me especially with wedges i don't want to lean i don't want to flip i want to just stay nice kind of cover the ball stay centered mm-hmm. on it so that helps me to uh kind of remind myself to do no that. i like that i like that i've got on my clubs i have every distance that i hit my iron so say a seven iron i go full uh it goes 185 and then a knockdown seven iron is 175 so mm-hmm. i've got that reminder on my clubs just so i That's don't smart. need to yes yeah. i'm a little bit forgetful those little things are helpful. Yeah. So yeah, so I go 56D and then in the 60 I go um M. Mhm. Love that grind. Which is a little lower bounce so they do the 6008. Again, my philosophy kind of thinking being I want to have one that's maybe a little higher bounce, one that's a little lower bounce depending on course conditions, places you play you know, shots that you might run into at my home course. There are several like runoff areas, a lot of runoff areas on different greens where um, you got a really, really tight area that, you know, if you're pitching and it's level, you know, you can use a lot of different clubs for that. If you're trying to pitch and you're going up and you have elevation to cover, you got a couple options, bump and runs, those kind of things. But if you got that tighter shot where you need some elevation to it, the M grind again, kind of, kind of works for mm. me. My thinking probably this year is same, probably same configuration. But um, I've heard they have a new finish that that might be the best finish. I've heard so, that finish is I, money. I, the uh, yeah, the slate blue is is in fact the best finish. It is. It is nice. And actually, I can I can make a legitimate argument other above and beyond the fact that it that it is the best the looking best finish, finish on any wedge ever in golf whole wide world stuff. Um, but also, <laughs> the the thing that's really cool about that finish is, in addition to the fact that it looks awesome, it is really durable. It's as durable as the mm. Tor Chrome, so you don't get any yeah. of that that PVD. Yep. Oh, hey, I spent two hundred dollars on this wedge, and look look at my finish flake off. That that crap doesn't happen. So. You know, if you if you like it, it's and you should because it's the best finish. Um, it will last. Well, I think Tony, you even went so far as once to say that PVD is a crap finish, I, which I compared know. to things like Slate Blue, Blue. and QPC or QPQ uh, finishes, it is. LOL. Yeah. As, <laughs> as those. So there you go. Probably, uh, probably don't need the breaking news thing when when the slate blue ones come in. But I may be asking for feedback on what to stamp on 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 there because I want to do something kind of fun on the slate blue. Here's what I do: is every time you chip in, which I haven't chipped in with my wedges yet, you put a stamp on there. 
That's a that's a Jose Miraflor yeah. thing. Um, it's pretty cool. Show me like every time he chips one in, he gives it a ding. Gives it a ding. Dinger. So how depressing is it like in July when it's just blank? Well, <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, no one no one will know. I've got I've got putters that are blank. <laughs> Chris, you brought up a point about having a little bit of different bounces yes. for for the conditions say if it's a little bit firmer. Me and Tony actually went into this before I got my wedges. Yeah. Um and talked about hey, should you really change out for say firmer conditions? And the answer was no. You no. want to play Mm-mm. pretty much throughout the whole year. Now, if you're going to play something that's really concrete, the pros might change maybe one of the wedges potentially. You see a lot, like a lot of things happen. You see a lot of changes for Augusta, for example. That's yeah. the classic example, and that's why in spring, right about that time of year, Vokey. So I would assume we're probably <laughs> going to see one here pretty pretty soon. Vokey will do a, a limited edition wedge works release because a lot of the guys are. Switching wedges at Augusta yeah. to go to this kind of high loft, low bounce combination to handle essentially work really well for what amounts to an extremely firm and fast golf course, especially mm-hmm. when you get on those greens. So. I want to make a dad joke so bad. Please do. Well, you know, you're talking about bounce and it probably depends on whether you're playing in California because they've got more bounce in California. No one? No one. Uh, I, no. I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh-huh. All right, I got Matt, the- cut that no. out. That was bad. <laughs> you, you got a putter? I'm perturbed. How many putters do you have? 312. Mm, makes sense. But we're down to two right now that are very, very similar. Um, even roll V-series. Uh, this is the, the ER2 head again. It's definitely on the wall of fame. You know, for for blade putter testing, the ER two is has its place. It's earned it. It's a phenomenal, uh, it's a phenomenal putter with the V series. Getting something with a little bit of a slant neck, just kind of that shorter slant neck. For I have definitely a mid uh, arc. You know, every time you done, you know, I've done the ping putter app, done the fittings. Like it's 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 just that little bit of an arc. Not the straight backs, not straight through. Not Tony, who is probably the best example of like a. You know, a lot of open and a lot of close, a lot of rotation. I'm very comfortably right in between those. And so I have, uh, like I said, that is currently, because that one's, you know, a a newer model. I did not have that particular one last year. So the one that we've been working on with that as well, a little uh, Adele. Mm. Uh, This is the EAS2. Tie up. Which did uh, exceptionally well in our... Our testing last year and, and and really i mean that's with so many of our clubs that's where i start is, is our testing and and go from there i mean it's it's great information and it's a great place to start that decision you know it's like not everything in my bag is a most wanted winner right that's where you start the discussion and and then you go from there and figure out what it is that maybe works better for you like with the wedges for me you know i know the smates were not the absolute top wedge the the availability of the bounce grind configurations is a huge deal for me. So that's a big advantage in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, on the putter side, um, I look at heads that have tested really really well. The ER two, like I said, this particular Adele have they've both tested very well. And then the opportunity for me to work with those companies and be fit for those clubs, you know, huge selling point. So those are the two that I have right uh, right now. Um, golf ball is Pro V1 X left dash. Uh, uh, like I said, best uh, ball in the market that the Titleist doesn't talk about enough. Um, but I love it. It's uh, it's a great golf ball. It does, like I said, it it checks all the boxes for me. It's very very long off the tee. It's low enough spin with irons and wedges, so I can use slightly softer shafts in my irons and not worry about. Uh, you know, hitting a seven iron with 8,000, you know, uh, revs of backspin. So I can use slightly softer shafts in my irons and wedges and not be ripping the ball off the green, which I love. And it has plenty of green side spin for me. And uh, it's a hair firmer feeling off the putter than maybe some others. But (laughs) it is very clicky. Some people may call it clicky. However, that's your mantle layer at work right there. <laughs> There's your mantle layer. Um, but with the inserts and the the head designs of the putters that I use, 
if anything, that tends to soften up that feel just a little bit. And so it's not like you have a really firm 303 milled stainless head with, you know, no grooves, nothing on it. And you're basically hitting this really firm piece of metal onto a really firm ball. And it sounds like, you know, it's super clicky. If anything, the putter heads I have helped to kind of take that, you know, a step down. It, it still definitely feels firm off the putter, but it does not feel clicky any longer to me. So I have a question. Go ahead, Miranda. Is this what golf dudes sit around and talk about over a beer? Like, do we have 35-minute questions about, like, what's in your bag? Some hardcore guys, yeah. Well, I would say it's like, yes. But it's like, hey, I got this driver, the three-wood, blah, blah, blah. We don't go into, like, shafts. If it's tips, like, this is, like, hardcore. I do. (laughs) Everything we hear is about the tip, though. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Hey, (laughs) oh. I I have to point this out. This is my favorite head cover I have. This is my putter head cover. I took a bunch of old patches, uh, golf spy patches from hats and things, sent it off to a company, uh, Robert Mark Golf out east, um, and said, hey, can you do something kind of cool with that? And and they did. That's what they came back oh, that with. That is so. cool. So let me ask you. So you talked about right, you're a left ash guy, but I saw on Twitter earlier today that Callaway's balls have dropped. Um, <laughs> um, the full context of that is the yes, Tony. Yes, they have. ChromeSoft XLS is now available. So will you be looking at that ball as a as a potential? Or are you kind of locked into left ash? I'm going to test it. I'm always locked into better performance. So if something performs clearly better for me than what's already in my bag, that's out. The next one's in. Um, and so that's, you know, for me, that's the that's the bottom line. Will I test it? Yeah, absolutely. Callaway people. Send them on. Callaway over. people. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take we'll take a little look at them because that's only fair. Right. Do I think it's going to beat out the, the left ash? It's a high bar. Well, it's a high bar. I mean, could it happen? Sure. Absolutely. It could happen. Am I expecting it to? No, I'm not expecting it to. Um but in all fairness, I'll test it and, and, and we'll see and I'll evaluate it fairly. And like I said, if I can shoot a lower score by replacing my four iron with a four hybrid, I'm going to do it. You know, no questions asked. This yeah. actually brings me to my next topic, Chris. That was an awesome what's in the bag. So thank you very much. Very detailed. Miranda, That's do you have like any it. additional questions? I, I didn't get into like what scrub brush I use or like <laughs> divot mean, tools or. Do you have <laughs> iron covers? They're on order. I don't want to say too much yet because they're actually they're going to be pretty damn salty is what they're going to be. It does bring me into Chris. You were talking about comparison testing and John Barba wrote last week this really awesome piece on a company that you might or might not have heard of um, Dollar Driver Club. And essentially the premise is that you don't have to buy your drivers to try them and play them, but you can test them. Correct. Do you want to get into a little bit more detail, Chris, how, as to how this works? Yeah, let's, I mean, let's, let's start with kind of the most simple analogy of it. It's kind of leasing a car versus buying a car. Um, and if you want to call it kind of renting, the name itself probably reminds you of some other kind of monthly subscription fee type club things where you could... Uh, you know, purchase products in kind of that incremental fashion over time. And that that's effectively what this is as well. What you commit to is basically like 360 bucks or 365 bucks. It's a $30 a month uh, type of fee. You can do it either monthly or in a lump sum. And you say, okay, well, that's great. What do I get for that? Well, you get the opportunity to try out three different drivers throughout a 12-month period. You'd say, okay, here's the driver shaft combination I want to start with. They ship it out to you, send a prepaid, you know, a return label. If you want to try out a different driver, you ship that one back. They ship you the next one. The next one that shows up to you is not one that somebody else already tried. It's a brand new driver as well. So it's not like you're getting something that's already been played and they're just kind of recycling those through. It's a brand new driver they send out. You try that one. Throughout the year, you can do that. You can try up to three different drivers and any of the stock uh, no upcharge shafts in that particular company's lineup. So if you're like, hey, man, I really, really like this driver head, but I want to try, now let's dial it in with maybe let's try a different shaft. Same thing. You can switch those shafts out as as often as you would like throughout that trial period. So, all right, so now you go down the road. You're basically committed to $360. And for that $360, you get use of 
up to those three driver heads, three drivers, unlimited shaft swaps for that year. At the end, you say, great, now what? Well, kind of like a car lease, it's open-ended. You can keep that driver that you have. You could swap back to any of the other two drivers that you tried out during the year. And if you want to purchase any of those three drivers, you pay the difference between the $360 you've already purchased or already paid and the original market retail price. So if that driver was you know $550 at the beginning of the year, you've paid $360 so far, you got $190 left to go, you pay that difference, you go ahead and keep that driver. Okay, it's yours now. Say you got, obviously it's original price, but if say you got bumped down by a hundred bucks, you wouldn't pay... You still pay the full, you pay the original retail yep. price. You base on what it was at that time. I know we saw a couple comments, people going, oh, well, this is crazy. You know, at the end of the year, you know, they're going to discount it. It's going to be 50% off six months after it comes out. This, it's like. But you've already played it for the year. Well, so. 2011 called and it wants your comment back, you know, because <laughs> that's not. Uh, yes, it's true. And, it's yeah, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, at a point in time, yes. Did TaylorMade flood the market and, and do some of those things? Yeah. Did other companies do it as well? Yeah, to some degree. That's not how it is today any longer. So worst case scenario, maybe for the consumer, that driver might be $100 off at the end of the year. And, and probably, probably not. not. Yeah. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on that. So it's not like you're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, now I have to pay $550 for a driver that's $299 at retail. That's just not a realistic evaluation of the market right now. Like I said, maybe 10 years ago, but it isn't now. So And, and probably more so now than ever with, with COVID and we see this. You know, there there are inventory constraints, right? A lot of stuff is yeah. you know, legitimate back order conditions, and so you know, when when demand exceeds supply, uh, you, you don't discount. That's that's pretty easy. Unless to you're PXG, to. yeah. And so the other end, so you get to the end of the year, all right, and you're kind of sitting there, and you're saying, all right, well, here's our situation. Um, you could re up, right? Say, okay, I want to, I'll pay another three hundred sixty dollars, and I will be able to play the new. Uh, you know, whatever it is. Sim 3. Sim 3. Then you continue that on, right? And 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 here's the thing. People are going to say, oh, well, basically, you're never, if, if you wanted to just continue to do that, you're never actually owning the club. You're right. You're not. It's an option, right? If you continue to lease cars, and I know plenty of people that do that every three or four years, they turn in the car, do something else, whatever. You never actually own that car. You're correct. That's not like a really great deep level of analysis on anybody's part. You're right, but it's an option, right? There are people that would say, "Hey, for me, I want to. I'm, I'm going to buy that car, get the best deal I can, drive it till it's it's in the dirt and dead. And for me, that's how I want to purchase a vehicle." <laughs> That's Tony. I mean, that's that's the uh, uh, how. I mean, yeah, the Toyota Venza forever, probably like nine hundred thousand miles on the thing, and <laughs> you know, I actually, no, the I, I traded in the Venza <laughs> impulsively, but it was Did, paid off. Well, yeah, it's philosophical differences, right? Some people um, with those things would prefer to say, "Hey, I'd rather pay that because if I, you know, let's say I do buy a driver fairly often, right? Six, seven times a year." Yeah, <laughs> I buy that driver and I'm the person that's that's been caught in this cycle of I buy a driver. Yeah, we know they do not hold their value very well, right, on, on the used market. Anybody that's purchased a golf club and said, oh, I'm going to you know look at the possible trade-in values down the road on this, A, dumb way to buy a club, you know, B, you're the Gordon Ramsay idiot sandwich, you know, incarnate. Like, it's like, why are you doing that? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. So if you've been caught in that trap, you pay the $500, you go to at the end of the year, trade it in, try to sell it. You're basically in the exact same financial situation you would have been, except you only had one club to play throughout the year. This way you got a lot more options. It's open-ended. And again, if you want to keep that club and you find that one that you're like, Hey, this is it. This is the one I want to keep long-term. Great. You can, and you're never going to pay more for it than what you would have paid at retail to begin with. So it's not like you lose money by doing that. You don't end up paying any more for it than you would have had you just bought it outright on day one. 
Well, Tony, what do you think? Do you think they're on to something and this might change the way that people shop and use and try golf clubs or is it going to expand beyond the driver's sphere? Well, I think, you know, I know, I know they're definitely looking at expanding it. Short answer, something's going to change, right? We've believed retail, golf retail's fundamentally broken, has been for years. And we can go down the list of, of multiple approaches that, that companies are currently taking to, to do things better, more efficiently, more financially viable. Um, so, so maybe, but, you know, I, I went back and forth with an industry buddy yesterday. And to an extent, this has been tried before and hasn't worked. You can go back years. Cleveland tried an annual lease program and, and TaylorMade quietly did it as well. And those programs are gone. And so, you know, you wonder, are they gone because they didn't work? Now, or are they gone because it was only tailor-made products that you That's were using? the next point, right? Uh-huh. It's, you know, I'm not, it's, it's unlikely that somebody's going to sign up for Dollar Driver Club and his three selections over the course of a year are going to be <laughs> Sim, Sim Max, and, and Sim, Sim Max Draw, right? It's that's, right. that's unlikely. So the, the, the idea that you have these different brands to choose from is probably a bigger selling point. The thing that, that I come back to is I think it's only a model that works it, it works if your swap rate is relatively low. I think if if everybody who subscribed went through three drivers a year, um, just it, it probably goes bottom up pretty quickly because I, I struggle to see how the math works there. But if if your average turnover is one point something, then it then it probably can succeed long term. And you know, as you grow, obviously, it's it. If you can scale things, you have you have opportunities through volume, probably both in your purchasing power, mm-hmm. as well as kind of your your margins on the other end, so to speak. So, you know, maybe. But again, we're seeing different things, and this is, I think, one of the different things that that could potentially emerge. You're seeing, you know, um, other things that I would point to, Fairway Jockey, uh, which is owned by by TrueSpec, I believe, is kind of this yep. thing where you get kind of the option to to purchase not only a club, but the the more of the fitting experience where you can upgrade to those exotic components. The guys at TXG um, launching a similar program this week, I believe, or as we record this, it may have just launched. Um, they mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on one of their live streams. And I mean, they're, they're talking about integrating virtual fittings with with an online store that is more custom than you would typically get from, you know, going to Dick's Sporting Goods. And so, you know, one of the one of the limitations, and I think it is fair to call it a limitation of Dollar Driver Club right now, is that it is, you know, you can you can mix and match and, and try all the different shafts as long as they're stock. And so Correct. they are looking into expanding into the exotic space. And so that's that's kind of the thing too. And you would expect there'll be a price premium with that, but it's a limiting factor. And so it's, you know, how do you how do you launch something that's that's fundamentally different and and financially viable? And that's that's the ripple right now is totally. You know, that that's the hurdle is if I'm in business, how do I make more money? <laughs> that that's ultimately what everybody's trying to do. <laughs> I feel like this is the good this is good for the game of golf purely because I mean, times are tough right now. Money is tight, X, Y, Z. I'd rather test it out every month than just put a 550 into something that we don't know if it's going to work or not. I can't remember who the brand is. It might be Dollar Driver Club, but I don't know. Where they have a golf locker at golf courses and you can just rent that driver for a day. Uh, yeah, that's somebody else. But yeah, that's another. But that's service. another one. So you yeah. can. But it's you, kind of like having that fleet rental idea where it yeah. is. It's 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 Redbox effectively at yeah. the golf course. Like I'm gonna go in. Hey, yeah. God bless Redbox, man. Yeah, exactly. Which is cool. Like, all right, shit. PXG today. I get to. I'm gonna hit that PXG. Like, see what it's like. That'd be. That's really cool. New driver and a can of spray paint. <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> If we all take out our crystal balls and fast forward to 10 years from now, do you think the golf club buying landscape is different and influenced by these sort of sales models? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think I want to point out something that Tony Tony touched on just a minute ago is I think that's part of the place we're going to see some evolution is this in-between space, right? Where where you have, if you're willing to spend the time, money, whatever, and, and go and have everything done to the nth degree at a fitter that has the wall of shafts and everything, and there's local fitters, there's, you know, larger chain operations, 
that's an option for you, right? And that's all, I mean, that that is an option, right? And you have the big box option. You have these other retail models. It's everything in between those where I think we're going to see a lot of growth. And, and, and Tony, again, you mentioned, um, you know, things like, you know, like fairway jockey where it's like, hey, what if I'm the person I, I know what I want? I want the Ventus 6X. I want it tipped half an inch. I want it in this head and at this length and at that swing weight. But I don't want to go and go pay a couple hundred dollars to have a fitting to tell me that. I already know that that's what I want. There's not much of, uh, there aren't very many options for that buyer right now. Call it True Spec Light or something, you know, call it Club Champion, you know, Diet Club Champion or whatever. But that type of space. And then you take like the Dollar Driver Club. If I'm somebody that's interested in, in Dollar Driver Club, something like that, I'm going to go to True Golf Fit. I'm going to see what it recommends for me. I got my two, three drivers. I know that that's based on unbelievably solid data, right, that continues to get updated. So I know that that's, that information is, is solid. If I can tell, here's my swing speed, tempo, angle of attack, I'm going to get two, three drivers that I know are going to work better for me probably than what I have in my bag. And I just paid $9 for that or whatever, nine, 15 bucks, whatever. I got this. I'm not going to pay any more for dollar driver club than I would buying that club retail, now I can make a much better decision, right? That type of system did not exist two, three years ago. And so all of these things in between, you know, the tour level experience and the walk in, buy the lottery ticket, buy it off the rack experience, I think that's where you're going to see the most change. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to see like this three-headed kind of monster and it's going to be like, all right, you know, here are your three choices to an extent. And I guess four, if you like custom fitting, Full on custom fitting is is still like that. That's always going to be my top pick. But you're going to see traditional retail is, is going to try and evolve, but mostly it's going to do what traditional retail does and just drag its feet and do what it's always done. You're going to have you're going to see these sort of these in between grounds, whether that's dollar driver club approach, fairway jockey, whatever TXG's program looks like, where it's you know hey it's consider it a consultation with the ability to pick and choose from premium components. And I think you're also going to see a bigger push from from the OEMs um, to to sort of get you all in on the brand. Uh, and again, we talked about TaylorMade doing a lease program yep. in the past. You know, Callaway for sure. As much as they talk about fitting, I'm sure it would be very happy if you just walked into a store and, and bought a full bag of Callaway driver to put. They would love. Callaway would be delighted if your putter, if your bag started with an Epic Max LS and ended with a, a, a triple track putter, right? That would be sure. that would be ideal. And so, in in that sense, I was kind of you know I'm going to point to I'm going to pull it up here. I got a you know marketing email, right? Not a not a heads up from from our PR people over there, but I got a marketing email from PXG. And they, they're actually doing full bag pricing. So yeah. if you go in and say, hey, you know yep. what? I want I want everything from, from PXG. I want to go driver to putter with a bag and a hat. So to give you a sense. So it's that really drops cool. The, it's, a really good, it's a really good deal. Yeah. So that drops the price on 0211 from 2760 to 1995 and going up to Gen 4. Cuts Gen 4 from basically 6350 for a full bag down to you know, 5,000, which is still, I mean, we're still in premium price bracket, but you're knocking a good chunk off of that. And, and quite frankly, I don't know if you saw their new apparel launch, but if, I did. if they threw in, if they threw in a pair of their $160 shorts, <laughs> it kind of gets you to close uh, a case where it's worth it. It's interesting. It's basically a 25% discount, which is ironically, or maybe not ironically, oftentimes very close to the uh, wholesale to retail costs. I know PXG isn't retail focused, but if it's TaylorMade, Callaway, whomever, and they're going through, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods or through PJ Superstore, whatever, it's, it's a little more. I mean, it's yeah, it's. I would say it's closer to splitting the difference. You know, maybe yeah. more in that thirty to thirty-five points. But but the reality is, the more that those companies could sell direct to a consumer, the more money they're going to make. Right again with the kind of this emergence of. Not only like online stores have been around forever, but right, we we saw it when when COVID kicked in. Companies very quickly started or swapped over to this online fitting model where you could you could essentially get on a Zoom session with a fitter and you know whether it was a driver, irons, whatever you're going for, kind of again consult on a new bag. You call it an online fitting. I would I would call it more of a 
more of a consultation than anything else, but you have that service. And now if you can pair that with an incentive to go, Hey, you know what, as long as we're talking, let's, let's sell you on a full bag of tailor-made golf clubs. And if I can get you to go, you know, driver to putter, I will, we'll, we'll, we'll include a bag. We'll some other swag. Like I said, you know, pair of $160 shorts if you're lucky. You, Tony, you just want the paratrooper blue shirt. He I wants know those you budgie do. smugglers. I, I, I gotta tell you, like, I am, <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly curious what a $160 pair of shorts feels like because it better not just. Probably no different than. Yeah, I was going to say it better damn sure not feel like another pair of shorts. It's, Half... yeah. They better tickle something, you know. Yeah, for <laughs> better be some better be some undocumented features like the flat setting on the, on the driver. <laughs> so, I'm saying. so yeah, I mean, I think I think we're gonna see some some pretty drastic changes. That I would I'd probably call it additional options because I I think I think yeah. retail gonna retail, um, but mm-hmm. it, and and retail being being retail is gonna create lots of opportunities for others to to step in and and create unique programs. Yeah. I, I see it. I see. No, what are we at? What are we at? Breaking news. Now at I was noon. just going to say it's time for us to go, but Harry, why don't you finish up? What were you going to say? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say it's. I see it going as a lot more of those lockers, um, but on the left of them, it's going to be like a true golf fit system where you go in, you put in your, your swing speed or some kind of matrix, and then it says, hey, out of this stuff in the locker... We recommend trying this. Like a vending machine? Basically, it could be a vending machine. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's it's almost like coming full circle because I know when, when I first started playing golf, and you know, I, I don't know how widespread it was. Maybe I was just fortunate that the store in my area did it, but I could I could walk into a golf store, give them a hundred dollar deposit, and they would give me a a driver or a set of irons or whatever to go play on the course. Right. And then I can come back. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't really like this. Go, all right. Well, hey, thanks for trying them. Here's your hundred bucks back. And so it was sort of like <laughs> there was a a dollar driver club right at, at the at the local golf shop, and it was free. And I think you know it, that probably didn't last. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that store is not in business anymore. But I see a couple problems with that model, but <laughs> yeah. But it was it was one of those things, or a credit card, whatever. I had to give them probably more than a hundred bucks if I think about it, but. You know, it was like that ability, like there was a legitimate demo program and you don't right. see that anymore because just the way that the equipment market works is as soon as somebody hits that club, the value, it's like driving the car off the lot, you know, keep it, keep it in the parking lot, man. A lot of things dropping today. Balls dropping, prices dropping. <laughs> For No Putts Given, I'm Miranda Nodwell. Chris, Tony, Harry, we're signing off. We out. <laughs>